Desperately seeking entertainment. So glad you're joining us this week on episode crazy 15 of this podcast. But I am one of your hosts, Chris Peterson. Joined with me as always is Mr. Ben Frawley, the legend. How are you, sir? What's up, Chris? What's up, people around the world? What's going on in the entertainment industry this week? I can't wait to dive in. Chris, we're, we're doing this show a little late, so I got so much content. It's yeah, I crazy. apologize for that, folks. Yeah, my bad. My bad that it was uh it was a crazy week um between travel for work and sickness and yeah so we got this we're pumping this thing out a little bit late but apologies apologies all around well you know what uh, you know I was talking to my buddy over the weekend you know sometimes it's good to kind of take a little chill so we bring some quality you know we don't want to just pump out bullshit all the time just because we have to or we feel like we do you know what I mean yeah so it's good to like soak in the juices you know, get some stories going and then boom, you know, hit you with some good stuff. Cause we got a ton of good stuff to talk about my man. Love it. Love it. And folks, if this is your first time joining us, welcome to the party. Uh, and number two, what Ben and I like to do is each episode, we like to break down some of our favorite, most interesting, most peculiar uh, entertainment stories of the week and bring our top five to this podcast. Kicker is I have no idea what Ben's bringing to the table and he has no idea what I'm bringing to the table. So should be some pretty interesting reactions and discussions. And, and we've been get, really getting into it as of late. So I think we've really, you know, turned out some good episodes the past couple of ones. So looking forward to hearing what Ben has to say. So with, with that said, my friend, why don't you kick us off? All right. So um, like I said last week, you know, this show really shouldn't be about <clears throat> us digging into content that's being released. I feel like sometimes we are quick to jump the gun and critics are really quick to jump the gun, and then, and then it takes a long time to revisit these things. We kind of take critical reviews as like, you know, the Bible and never revisit movies. You know, I've been, like I said a couple weeks ago, there's been pods and um, articles on Vertigo and how that was a critical and, you know, uh, box office failure at the time and kind of hidden away. And of course, now it's seen as Hitchcock's greatest movie by a lot, uh, by a lot of people. So, you know, I like to dig into what we have in general. So one show, Chris, that I've been catching up on is a show called The Terror. Did you watch that show, Chris? Not yet, but I've heard of it. Yes. So this show, just not spoiling anything. I'm not done with it yet. I think I have a couple more episodes to go. Um, it takes place in the 1840s. It's about two um, vessels trying to explore the Arctic and the Arctic uh, Channel. Um, the pathway to the Pacific. It's really interesting. They're English ships, 1840s, really creepy. But at the same time, it's a little kind of a horror spin on it. So ultra realistic, ultra kind of, I don't know. It's definitely like a manly kind of show. I don't think there's, there's barely any women in the whole cast and stuff like that. It's just men on boats. It's definitely like a master and commander kind of feel. The actors are absolutely fabulous. Great writing, great directing. I'm all in. I'm on episode five or six or something like that. Just a great little show. Um, but the reason why I bring it up this week, too, is the trailer for the second season. Ridley Scott's The Terror Season 2, a haunting story set in a Japanese internment camp, also stars our buddy, George Takai. So what do you think about that, Chris? Ooh, okay. That's mm -hmm. that's got 
my interest. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I think of all actors to kind of revisit any concentration camp, you know, themed project. I mean, George, George Takai is the perfect choice, you know, because he, he lived in one you know, for a period of his life uh, right. and has, you know, spoken out and, and, and provided a lot of great, you know, consult information for people researching that. So that, that definitely has. And he also starred in, he also starred in uh, the musical. About yeah. It, Allegiance. Right? Yeah. So yes. that, I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm very interested in, you know, on, honestly, like George Takai, he's, he's on my list of like almost people that can do no wrong in my eyes. So whatever mm-hmm. he wants to do, I'm in, I'm in. Yeah. I, I, I just, I like the theme of the show, um, that they're kind of taking historical, really historically accurate periods in time, trying to recreate them accurately and then adding this really weird twist and uh, I, I encourage everyone to check this show out. Um, you know, it is, um, I didn't realize this, but it is in the kind of vein of American Horror Story, where it is a kind of like a one and done season kind of show. Um, Chris, what do you think about formats like that? I mean, American Horror Story mm-hmm. kind of made that kind of famous, where it's like almost a mini series every year. What do you think of that format of that, of that kind of type of show? I'm actually all for it. You know, I think it's, I, I'm surprised that not more you know, shows do it. I mean, you see a lot of that actually overseas in England. They do a lot of those like, you know, one shot, that's it. I don't know if you got to see Bodyguard yet on Netflix. It was like a one season, you know. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Right. Fantastic. Yeah. And you you, you yeah, get a great. full arc. Um, it, you know, you feel like you're watching a seven, eight hour movie and great. That's all, it, you know, and it ends. Um, and I'm surprised that here in, in the United States, we haven't really, you know, launched, you know, too many of those. So um, I'm all for it because, you know, it keeps the quality up. Um, you never have the, those jumping the shark moments, so to speak, that you get usually around like, you know, season four or five, so to speak. So, uh, right. yeah, I mean, as long as it's good and interesting and captivating and uh, I'm all for it. And, you know, American Horror Story, that's a good example of, of a show that, you know, I, I think it's probably run its course by now. But, I mean, I liked how they kind of reinvented itself each time they did a new season of that, you know? Right. And and also with that, like you said, quality, you know, to get an actor to sign on to one season is so much easier to get like a quality actor to act, like sign on to multiple seasons you know what i mean someone mm-hmm. that's gonna be locked in and they have to write them off or wh- whatever have you so I, I'm, I encourage people to check out this show the terror me and my buddy josh he was like oh i want to check that out and so i just went all in I've, i went all in this week so that's why you left me alone for a while chris so i went in all in on this show so check it out <laughs> awesome stuff love it love it all right so for, for, for my first first pick um this past week we had a kind of an interesting anniversary for howard stern fans and i know ben you and i are both Huge Stern fans. Oh my! So uh, there you go. Perfect segue. Um, this this week was the twentieth anniversary of the show where they played Gary's like love confession tape. Uh, <laughs> no very way. famous episode. <laughs> yes, it is. If you've never heard the original like airing, it's basically the guys found this tape where Gary was trying to get back with an old girlfriend, and he basically recorded himself on a VHS, like doing a, (laughs) basically a monologue. Um, and he's got full on mullet. Like it's, it's gorgeous. And Howard Stern started taking, it got so big and popular and so many people wanted to see it that he actually started doing an auction on his show saying, okay, like, all right, 20 bucks. You can come in the studio, 30 bucks. You can come in the studio. Like it was incredible. And by the end of it, they had like 30 people in the studio just to watch this tape. It was, it was one of the all-time great talk radio moments in history. Um, <laughs> That's so awesome. It's phenomenal. 
And it just got me thinking, first of all, about the the legend and the, really the one and only that is Howard Stern, but also like that show that he used to do is almost unrecognizable by today's standards. And, and he said that that much, but Ben, right. I just wanted to kind of get your overall thoughts on Howard Stern and, and just, you know, now that we're obviously maybe probably, you know, five, six years from the end of his show, so to speak, uh, just your, your general thoughts on, on him in total. Just, just great. I mean, I'm a big fan from way back. Um, you know, I remember hearing it. I used to watch, of course, in high school. I wish they brought this back, you know, with cable and everything now. Maybe they could. But I used to love the Howard Stern show on E! Network from yeah. 11 to 12. Every night I'd watch that as a kid. That was absolutely fabulous. Uh, and then when I actually, end of college, moved up here to Syracuse at my job, I used to listen to it all the time. And that was the end of his run on terrestrial radio. And that was the big controversy when he was getting fined. And there was this DJ up here, the 95X DJ, who was just terrible and <clears throat> would cut his show off. So, like, he would famously go late. You know what I mean? Like, so mm -hmm. the show is supposed to run. I, I don't know. What it's, it's six to usually it's like what? Six to ten, six to nine. Yeah. Right. Something like that. But sometimes him and Artie would just be like delusional and <laughs> <laughs> laughing and I don't know, just doing funny voices and I don't know, just going crazy. Uh, one of my favorite <laughs> late shows. I was sitting at work laughing so hard. They played the um, the end of Whites and the the Nights in White Satin, you know, by the Moody Blues. You know, the oh, part at the end of it, yes. it's like "Breathe deep, a young mother suckles her young" or something. Like, something so ridiculous, and like they just kept playing it and laughing. There wasn't even like a show, but you're laughing too with them. Everyone, Fred's laughing. Artie's like, "Oh my god, this is the greatest thing!" and just dying. And I love that period of time and. Up here, there was this DJ named Rhino or something like that that actually would cut him off. And I remember when this happened, I was listening. I was like, what the hell just happened? And he Stern actually made an appearance up here in Armory Square to protest that 95X was kind of banning his show. And they they switched the show because they were scared of the FCC. And so Howard came up and did this whole thing. And it was kind of surreal living in this area. And Howard came up here. Uh, wow. So I've been a huge fan since then. And I love the leap to Sirius XM because that was really the, you know, when you can do anything, right? Mm -hmm. So here you are, you had this show where, you know, you were blocked for, for talking about this subject or swearing or this kind of content. And now he could do it. And it was so interesting to, to have this power and then not to use that power in a almost a damning way where you're like, right. okay, like you could see it almost getting X-rated really quick or something, but they didn't do that. They, they almost toned it down and he realized we have this long format and now I can do these long interviews. You know, the Paul McCartney interviews are some of the best things ever. And I think a couple of weeks ago, like him, he was talking about Colbert and he has that new book, Howard Stern comes again. And it's all about his interview, like what his tactic is, what his research is, and then some of the best moments of those interviews. So that I can't wait to read that book. That sounds really good. I mean, it's weird to say this, but like he is so good at almost everything that he does. Mm -hmm. Like he's an incredible writer. Obviously, he's got two books that are fantastic. Uh, the show, obviously. And then like private parts of the movie. Him as an actor. I was like, that's one of my favorite movies. It's and right. I, I People ask me all the time, like, you know, Chris, can you name perfect movies? I'm like, you got to put private parts in there. It's a, it's, it's almost like it's a, I could watch the thing a hundred times and never get sick of it. Right. And there's almost not, you know, speaking of perfect movies, like when I think of perfect movies, I think of not a wasted second. Right. 
Like there's something, you know, especially with a comedy, like almost every single scene in that movie's hilarious, even when it's being serious. Like Paul Giamatti is a very serious actor. We talk about him on the pod all the time. But when he is on screen in that movie, you can't help but laugh. You're like laughing because he's just so serious. And that's what his character is doing. It's great. But yeah, I love Stern. Yeah. Um, hope he keeps going. I don't know if he's going to stop. I mean, his parents are still alive. He's got some good genes. He might be around for a while. <laughs> <laughs> that's true who knows who knows so how are we love you man yes keep there it up go. howard all right my man what else we got all right so i'm going down the geeky rabbit hole chris um Ooh. we got some nerd stuff this week that i just needed to discuss and and i don't know if you know any of this stuff so it might just be me talking for a little bit so here we go um chris are you familiar with an anime called ghost in the shell of course. Ooh, okay, excellent. Um, are you familiar with the movie, the show? How how involved are you? Well, the the original anime, absolutely. Um, okay. That it's one of my favorites. Um, I I have to be honest. I, I haven't really explored the canon or mythology of that since. Okay. Uh, I did see a recent live action film though, and was found it dreadful. But that's yeah. you know different different topic for a different time, I guess. Yes. So I I love the the anime movie. Um, the other kind of movies, they made Ghost in the Shell 2 and then another Ghost in the Shell movie. Those are okay. But let me talk about one thing. So this show still holds up. If you love like mo- the movie Blade Runner and the movie, um, what is it? Blade Runner 2049. Um, mm-hmm. You will love. So it's called Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, um, a.k.a. SAC. And mm. um, the seasons one and two, they were on the Cartoon Network. They are absolutely fabulous just Mm -hmm. the delivery it's such and just like blade runner where it's a very plotting slow movie but it's about the pace and the tone and the mood of it this anime really latches on to that and there's something about this anime and and don't get me wrong like i i've checked out anime like i love my ninja scroll i love akira i like those things um but for some reason this one itches like this scratch that I have inside me. And <laughs> there is this um, feeling that they're really onto something. It takes place in Japan. I think it's 2033. And in 2033, like everyone's kind of, you know, still us, you know, lots of technology everywhere. Everyone's kind of like, you know, in the zone as, as far as that. But um, there's a war. And when veterans come back, they start replacing parts with um, first, it's just, um, you know, uh, new arms, prosthetics, and then they start developing technology where they have these prosthetics with weapons in them. And then they start developing chips in their brain so they can calculate, they can talk to each other telekinetically almost, but it's really a chip that's speaking to someone else. You can almost see where technology is going to be there someday. It's a very slick universe that they're in, but instead of just being really geeky about it, you know, talking about like, you know, prosthetics and, uh, and all these things, but it's almost talking about what it is to be human because the concept of the show is if you are like that, then you can just keep transferring your body to another, another shell. So your ghost gets uploaded to another shell. And then the question is, do you still have a soul (laughs) or are you just a a bunch of memories put together? Um, Wow. Really cool concept really get into like just craziness kind of hit on a lot of the same things that Blade Runner hits. Um, but it's a really talky anime. And when the action hits, it's cool, but it's really not the best part of the show. So, but, but the reason why I'm talking about it, that's just my little spiel on the show. And I was great. Everyone check out standalone complex season one, two, but 
there is a couple shots here from Bloody Disgusting. First look at Netflix's new animated series, Ghost in the Shell, Standalone Complex 2045. So we're jumping ahead 15 years into the future. I can't wait to see what technology we have in 2045. Awesome, Chris. Is it, So, Chris, I bring this up. Um, I, I highly recommend this to you, but is there any yeah. kind of sci-fi or anime that kind of hits that same core thing for you? Gosh, that's a great question. Like, I, you know what's weird? I love post-apocalyptic films, mm. like post-apocalyptic sci-fi where um, – like we did something terrible and this is the, this is the result. Like, and it, I like that because it almost feels like I can change it in a way. Like, yeah. Uh, I, get, I get the message. Like, um, you know, obviously the Mad Max series comes to mind, yep. obviously, you know, the, the first Terminator, Terminator two, things like that. But I, I just love post-apocalyptic stuff. Um, also, I like, I like sci-fi that, how do I say this? Um, if, oh gosh. How do I say this without sounding like a, child um, <laughs> what like creating worlds that i desperately want to be in does that make sense like yeah totally like this show totally does that for me i mean like where right. i'm like i wish i was living in this world like they talk about all the good things and bad things but i'm like this is so like the show gets me in such a zone that i'm like almost like i zone out so hard like i think i'm living there i mean seriously i go to that fantasy land it's almost like almost borderline delusional <laughs> I remember watching a movie and I can't remember for the life of me what, what it was, but it, it took place in the future. And I just remember getting really depressed. And this is back in like the early nineties, late, late eighties, early nineties. It's probably a Disney channel movie, but I got really depressed. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to live to see that. Right. <laughs> it's like, I knew that as a 10 year old and I got really upset and uh, that, um, but I, I like those, those types of movies that make you want to be there and experience that and play with that technology. Yeah, I I, like and there's a bunch of ghosts in the shell content like so if you just Google it, you'll you'll go down this wormhole and not and just to be honest, not a lot of the seasons, not a lot of the stuff is good. Like it's it's very slow and you can I've gone through it all. So, you know, my job as your podcast master right here, I've done all that hard work. And so I'm telling you, (laughs) if you want to check out a cool world, that's, you know, that kind of future tech dystopia society thing. um, Check out Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. If you see Standalone Complex, just dig into it. Um, they're on the internet, kind of bootleg everywhere, and you can just rent them. A lot of times they pop up on Amazon, or I bet you Netflix is going to be carrying them because they're going to develop the show. I cannot wait. It is a great kind of IP that needs to live and breathe and has a lot more room. Uh, one of the cool things about this show is, so if you can upload your ghost to the shell, your conscious to the shell on a computer network, like a neuron network in your head, you're memories and your thoughts can be hacked Mm. so that's what happens in the show these people kind of it looks like they go insane and start shooting up places but when the cops get them um they kind of wake up out of a blackout and they start crying and they're like oh my god what did i do they drop their weapon they're like oh my god and there's a hacker in the close proximity controlling their body so it's just a really cool concept and they just take it to like the 80th degree it's awesome get into it you'll love it so Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So I'm going to stick with Howard Stern in a way. Okay. In a way. Um, so I think it was last week he had Russell Crowe on the Ooh, show. Excellent. And uh, it was it was a good interview. I mean, Russell Crowe is definitely – it didn't it didn't broach the interesting topics that I hope I, I was hoping it would. But, uh, you know, because how much can you really get out of Russell Crowe? But, I mean, you yeah, did He's very get, stoic did in interviews. Yeah, yeah, totally. 
So, but I guess that might have been the most, you know, candid that we'll see him. But anyway, he did share a, a good nugget of uh, of fun. So apparently, um, he was once at Leonardo DiCaprio's house, and they were drinking. They were drinking a lot of vodka, and uh, Leonardo at one point says, "Or no." Russell Crowe notices that in one of the rooms at Leonardo DiCaprio's house, he has a fully preserved uh, uh, skull of a dinosaur. Ooh, like it's like a reptile. It's a reptilian dinosaur. Like but one of those big like, like crocodile things or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it looks cool. like a crocodile head in a way. So Russell Crowe is like, "That's that's really cool." And, and Leonardo's, "Yeah, it is." But uh, I'm trying to sell it because. I'm, there's another one that's available and I want to get that. <laughs> so <laughs> Russell Crowe goes, well, I'll take it off your hands. How much do you want for it? And he's like, I don't know, like 30, 40,000. So I guess he paid like $37,000 on the spot to buy this dinosaur head, uh, took it home. Cause his kids were really into dinosaurs at the time. And he's <laughs> like, all right, here's, here's a dinosaur like, for your playroom. <laughs> And uh, and then Leonardo DiCaprio went and got another dinosaur, I guess. But anyway, um, <laughs> got, like rich people things. Yeah, right. right. I love it. Like um, the show Billions or something. Yeah, exactly. Isn't there that one but guy? Got, isn't there that one rich guy that has like a great white shark body in like a tank or something like that? And then it decomposed <laughs> and he had to get a new great white shark body and they had to empty the tank. And I forget who that is. Maybe it's the virgin guy you know the oh i think airplane. you're right yeah yeah that guy yep. oh anyway sorry chris <laughs> ridiculous but it, it got me thinking about strange purchases mm. and things that we buy that we later say what what was i thinking and um ben i wanted to ask you have you ever had a purchase where you know maybe 24 hours later maybe a year later or more you just you look back and you're like what did i what was i thinking or what what mindset was i going through when i purchased that um yeah i mean you know, back in the day before the internet's, you know, blossomed into what it is, you had to buy DVDs and stuff. And I was definitely a, a DVD fiend. I, I definitely had way too many. And I've been trying to slim them down as I go digital or what have you. Um, and as, as I sit here on the podcast, I'm looking back at my something weird video collection, uh, which is this DVD <laughs> company. And I have, I mean, I'm looking at 50 on the shelf right now. Um, you know, movies like um, The Monster the monster of camp sunshine, which is like a monster at a nudist colony and the curious Dr. Hump. And, uh, you know, I don't know, just create the wizard of gore and all the Herschel Gordon Lewis movies. I mean, I watch them. Don't get me wrong, but you know, at 15 to $20 a pop, I probably shouldn't have been buying like maybe like two to four every week. So mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. There's been some, I get spendy. How about you, Chris? Uh, I, okay. This is going to sound embarrassing. Um, I I don't think I bought it, but I made my parents get it for me. If, if I sound like a spoiled brat for a second, uh, it was a an original Mickey Mouse Club jacket. Remember when the Mickey Mouse Club came back in the nineties and they all wore those like varsity looking jackets? Were they like leather? Yeah, on the, leather the like sleeves? leather sleeves. Oh, those are dope. Uh, yeah, <laughs> made my parents get one for me for my birthday. I was like, that's what I want. And uh, I found it recently in the attic, and I was like, what was I thinking? And I remember wearing it to school. Thinking that like, oh man, everybody's gonna be so jealous and like nobody knew what it was. And I was just like, man, I feel like a loser. So yeah, no. It's, it's like the eight ball jacket on Seinfeld. Yes. <laughs> Funny wearing the eight ball. Check out the eight ball. It's good. 
Uh, yeah. So there you go. That's excellent. Excellent, Chris. Yeah, but we don't have uh, like a Tyrannosaurus Rex body like Nicolas Cage or, you know, a shark head or shark body or anything like that. So I, I think we're pretty good. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. But but you know what? I mean, was there any speculation on actually how much that skull was? It seems like he got away with murder with that price. That's definitely a friend price. Well, he said he did say in the interview, it's doubled in value since. Um, I think he sold it as part of his okay. divorce auction, so to speak. But it, yeah, he he did say it's it's doubled in value since. So <laughs> That's great. Value. That's great. I mean, they're really not making any prehistoric any more prehistoric uh, reptilian skulls. So, you know, right. Sound like you can go out and just get them, you know, exactly. It's like having a Ted Williams baseball card or a giant crocodile skull. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They're not going to make any more. (laughs) So, so anyway, so my next article is a little bit about some things that are on right now and some things that are upcoming that I'm excited for. Um, Chris, I think we've talked a little bit about the upcoming Bill and Ted's three movie. Yeah. that's out there being filmed right now, I believe. Uh, Keanu's on this just kind of streak, this role. You know what I mean? He's in Toy Story 4 coming up. He, of course, was in John Wick. And he's just back on this major rebound, but he's still doing fun projects like Bill and Ted's 3, a movie that we definitely didn't need, but I'm excited is coming. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like the cast is going to be so much fun. The guy that plays Death is coming back. And they announced, my sister shared this to my wall, that Barry's Anthony Kerrigan, and this is, of course, the Chechnyan kind of uh, drug lord kind of guy, the, the bald car- the bald guy, mm. um, is going to play a most excellent villain in Bill and Ted's Face the Music, Bill and Ted 3. Um, this movie just keeps sounding better and better. I know I'm building myself up, but at least if it's meta and they're making fun of themselves, hopefully there's just some good jokes and... I don't know, Chris. What are your thoughts on this new Bill and Ted's movie coming up? I'm all I'm all in. I mean, it's yeah, I, it's weird. I watched I watched Excellent Adventure. I would say maybe a month or two ago. Um, some of the things have have definitely not aged, you know, gracefully. But uh, it's still a funny movie. And bogus. I, I will still say, Bo, I I still hold Bogus Journey, you know, up there. It that definitely made me laugh out loud um, on several occasions, especially when they're playing all those games with death. Um, yeah, it's one of my favorite they're very, games. you know, very smart movie for being such a dumb movie. Right. Does that make sense? <laughs> it's, uh, it's like what David St. Hubbins says in spinal tap. There's, there's a thin line between, between, uh, clever and, uh, uh, uh stupid. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I gotta tell you, I mean, this is, this project's been in development for years and, you know, both Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves said, look, we're not going to do it until we really can flesh out a story and make it worthwhile. And it, that time has come. So I'm excited to see what they came up with. Yeah. And both of them look great. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait, uh, you know, to see Alex winter on the screen again, big fan of Alex winters. Uh, I think he's in the movie little monsters or freaked lost boy freaked. He's in the movie freaked lost boys, yep. uh, death wish three <laughs> great. <laughs> iconic actor of at least my that's a murderer's uh, row right life. there oh my god <laughs> i know it's some of the best movies of all time right? <laughs> but i can't wait i mean i mean he's been in the industry he's producing directing you know doing directing tv he's still around it's not like he's just been gone like living in like southern california i mean he's still in the industry and just waiting for the script super excited everything that they keep saying i'm just all in so can't wait for that first trailer Let's let's rock and roll. Maybe some maybe some reverse CGI for George Carlin or something like that. Who Ooh, knows? But who knows? The world. We definitely have a bunch of George Carlin audio that they could cut together 
Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I love it. I love it. Yeah, look, definitely excited for that one. All right. So for my next pick, uh, I'm going to revisit our good friend Nicolas Cage for a minute. Uh, Excellent. Because a really great article came out today, or it was actually a couple days ago. Um, but um, you know how I said, like, you know, sometimes all you have to do is just hit refresh on his IMDb page and just new movies will pop up sometimes. And Oh no. What are you about to tell sure me? Enough, sure enough. One has, uh, it's called jujitsu. And the reason why the article came up is that his film will, is actually the first film to be using, uh, this brand new tax rebate that the country of Cyprus is giving for films. So this movie will be filmed entirely on the small Mediterranean Island of Cyprus. Uh, All right. Thank you for that. Because you know, I, uh, geography was a long time ago. I was like, where's Cyprus? Cyprus? <laughs> yeah. It's like smack dab. I think it's off the coast of Turkey, uh, but it is, it's okay. a small okay. Island. The budget is 27 million um, and it's called jujitsu. And thankfully the person at the Hollywood reporter uh, was <gasps> genius enough to include a small synopsis of what jujitsu is going to be about. Now keep in mind this movie is being okay. filmed in Cyprus. So it's- Okay, wait, wait, does it start with a uh, former special for- forces officer blank blank blank? <laughs> uh no. Oh, because I think like the last five synopsis <laughs> synopsis I have had that in there. He might ex special forces. He might. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so um, what we got? Based on the comic book of the same name. So it's a comic book film. Maybe it's part of the MCU. Okay. I don't know. Um, it features this actor named uh, Elaine Musai, who was just in the last two kickboxer movies. Didn't see the okay. movie, unfortunately. Uh, but he stars as a jujitsu fighter who every six years must face off, <laughs> who must face off against an alien invader, Brax. Like every six years they have this battle and Cage's character teams up with him to in a battle to defeat Brax. And that's, that's it. <laughs> that sounds phenomenal. And it's filmed on the Island of Cyprus. Um, so there you go. Uh, well, it's a tropical setting. You know, if, if Adam Sandler can go take all his friends and make a movie and like these nice locations, why not make a crazy Nicolas Cage movie in Cyprus? Cyprus, you know? yeah, about um, a, an alien invader once every six years battle. So hey, <laughs> I love it. And with a twenty-seven million, you know, budget, you know, half of that's going to Cage, you know, by himself. So I'm, oh right, I'm so like there. one million dollar budget movie. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to uh, pay taxes on that dinosaur body. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love it. So there you go. Nicholas Cage uh, never ceases to disappoint. Never disappoint. I mean, all these movies, I'm still jacked up. I think I've said this. I, maybe we talk about this every week. I just feel like we're repeating ourselves, but I can't wait for that primal movie where he's on the boat. Oh my God. And all the animals yeah. get released. <laughs> and, and he's like trying to, you know, save someone from an assassination. It's like, Assassins, yeah, 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 it's crazy. Assassins and and wild animals on a boat just let loose. I love it. (laughs) There you go. What else you got, sir? All right, man. I went geeky this week. I just went ultra geek, Um, but it's still entertainment, still in the wheelhouse. So I'm allowed to do this stuff. Um, So this week um, they released um, a trailer for this thing called Brutal Doom, and I know I brought up. uh, the new doom uh, level that finally came out 
you know, the official release and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But this one is called Brutal Doom. It's the original um, Doom Wad. So it's the original levels. And someone updated all of the graphics, all of the gore, um, new kind of um, moves where you can kind of like grab one of the imp's head and smash it into the wall. Mm. And blood is everywhere. You can cut things in half with your chainsaw. Really cool. But the same levels that you know and love. Just thought it was such a really cool idea. I hope everyone checks out this trailer and it's all kind of from this kind of Kickstarter kind of grassroots kind of thing that's been out there for a long, long time. Chris, what do you think about updating old video games like that? I know that Xbox One and PlayStation Network or Xbox Live and PlayStation Network do that all the time. What do you think about taking old video games and updating them? You know, it's it's a it's it's a roll of the dice. I think what I love what most people love about classic video games are the fact that they're classics and that, you know, you have those eight to 16 to 32 bit limitations um, on some of those, some of those games, like the original GoldenEye is one of my favorite games. Um, I think when you try to update them um, and make it, you know, with, with these new graphics and technologies, I think it can go either way. You know, I think good example of that is GoldenEye. I mean, when Xbox came out and, you know, Xbox 360 came out, they tried to do this new GoldenEye game and it just was like, eh, okay, it's not, it's not that original. You know, it's, I want those blocky characters and things like that. So yep. um, I think what's different though, I think games like, you know, Call of Duty or God of War or, you know, the Max Payne series where you can actually craft some really interesting storylines in a way that I think is a great idea, but yeah, I think it's just, it's, it's a really huge risk. Uh, I think in the gaming industry to do stuff like that. I totally agree. Yeah. And there's been multiple updates, like, you know, on Xbox, they'll do like Frogger 2000 mm. or, you know, miss Pac-Man or Pac-Man DX. And it's like this crazy kind of thing. And I mean, I've bought a couple of those games. Uh, they were really cheap and I bought them on sale. I played them. I'm like, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, if you hit this button, Pac-Man does X, Y, Z, and you can kind of, I get it, but there's something about that score-based kind of gaming that gets makes you go back for Miss Pac-Man over and over and over again. Miss mm -hmm. Pac-Man is definitely one of my favorites. Donkey Kong Jr. is definitely one of my, Donkey Kong Jr., I am, I'm a beast at Donkey Kong Jr. I think I have a, uh, I think it was, oh, I had it written down down here. I think it was like an 87,000 record on Donkey Kong Jr., which oh. is pretty good. Like, I, I looped it a couple times. Um but there's something about those games that it's like hyp hypnotic, but then you're, you're, you're testing your endurance. You're testing how far you can take the next time you go in there, as opposed to an updated model an updated kind of like, Oh, we made it a sandbox. So you can do anything you want. Um, and you know, sandboxes are fun, you know, sandbox games like grand theft auto and stuff, but they are limiting in scope as far as competition with other players. Mm-hmm. I remember when um, I believe it was Grand Theft Auto four came out for Xbox 360 and there was this two player mode and this online mode where you can run around. There's other people. And after a while you were like, all right, I just want to play the game by myself now. You know, I want to do side missions and blow stuff up. And it, you fall into a trap when you, you have too many features inside one game. It's almost like you get away from what made it great. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah, no, it's it's weird. Like, I remember there were some games where I would get like, you know, something, something two or something three, and it would be a completely different game, you know, from the the button layout and, you know, combinations and things. I'm like, what is, you know, what is this game? 
um, you know, I just remember getting so frustrated with that. And uh, yeah, I just, I I like games that just kind of know what they are. They keep it simple and they understand why people keep coming back to them and, and what they love. And they don't, they don't try to change too much. And when they do, you know, they give, you know, fair warning, so to speak. Um, Yeah, exactly. I mean, think of all like the really popular games on phones, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're block bursting games, they're matching games, uh, things like that. People still go back to those kind of games because that's what they like. They like, you know, it's not about the interactive features. Like you, you press this block, I'll press this block at the same time on your phone. It's all about how far you can get in Candy Crush. You know, it's actually, that is kind of the, the meat and potatoes of the game that you like. Yeah. I was going to say another great example is the, the mortal Kombat series. I mean, right. You know, this is a classic, you know, um, so, you know, f- kind of profile type fighting game. I remember, I think it was like in the early two thousands, they tried to do like a Tekken type of thing where it was like a 3d yep. uh, battleground, so to speak. And the fans just hated it. Um, and so they, they've kind of gone back to that just, you know, you know, profile and profile and uh, it's worked. I mean, and they've obviously upped the graphics and up the, the gore, so to speak, but it's still essentially the same game. And it feels like you're playing the same game when you're, when you've got that controller in your hand. So again, yeah, I just, I just love all that stuff. Yeah. And you know what, you know, it's a great example of that too, is everyone kind of grew up, you know, especially around our age with NHL games and Madden games. Mm-hmm. And there is this kind of cutoff. And I read this great article about, I think it was, or as a YouTube channel um, about the, the greatest Madden game of all time. And they point to like a specific year and like these games have um, certain things that make them great. And I remember like playing like one of the newest, um, I don't know. Oh, Madden 12. They liked 2012 for some reason. And they, there's multiple videos on Madden 12 and how it's like the greatest video game. They just really got it right. Um, and I remember going back and playing one of the NHLs that was updated. You had to use both the joysticks to move your guy. It got really annoying. And that's why I go back on the Raspberry Pi to like NHL 94, 95, 96. They're some of the greatest mm. games of all time. Like keep it simple. Keep it simple. I used to love like NHL 94, 95, especially when you'd score a goal. Yeah. Um, I had a, I always had the same combination of like coming in from the right side and doing a slap shot that way. Um Man, I love that game. <laughs> I know. And people still come over. I mean, Chris, do you know what a Raspberry Pi is? No. Oh, so there are these little mini computers that you can build yourself. Actually, it's like kind of fun. Like Deacon like watched me put it together. It was actually neat. Um, you you order these things. Maybe total. I have two in my house. Maybe total it came up to like 70 bucks with a controller and everything. You build this mini computer. You load in um, ROMs as you do on like a computer or a PC then you load up the operating system. It makes a little mini computer. You hook it up HD to a TV, HD, like HDMI out into a TV. Boom, you're gaming. You get a little dangle for like Xbox 360 controllers. You have wireless old school gaming. I'm talking about, I have like 5,000 arcade machines on there. Oh my God. I have like, and I have like maybe 2,000 other, you know, NES, SNES, Genesis, Game Boy Color. Like, it's crazy. So I have that wireless down in the man cave. So people still come over. You know, we're not going to play like the new Madden or the new NHL. Like you said, Chris, you know, NHL 94, you go up to 97, 98, they started taking out <laughs> the ability to hit the players after you score, <laughs> which is the funniest thing of all yep. time. I mean, you just, and once they did that, people, I remember people going, oh, this game sucks. Like, I, 
put in 95 because I want to hit the guy after he scores oh, on me or something I love like it. that. Two greatest, two yeah. greatest uh, sports games of my youth, Blades of Steel on NES um, and yep. Bases Loaded 2. This is still one of the greatest oh. baseball games ever. And I'll, I'll, totally. I'll ride with that. So there you go. Good. Totally. Yeah, and baseball games too. You yeah. know, like they they can just overcomplicate them. The, the game – and, you know, sports should be – sports games should be simple like the sport. You know, mm-hmm. are you going to pass the ball or run the ball? Like Super Tecmo Bowl or Tecmo Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's a reason why they still run Tecmo Bowl simulations <laughs> for, like, upcoming games. I think Deadspin does that and stuff. Um <laughs> where they have just like the simulated, like, oh, let's check out the the Patriots and the LA Rams. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? And they run the simulator. It's pretty awesome. Amazing. And they have Belichick and Brady like loaded in there. Um, there's a reason why that is, because that game got really close to what you're watching on TV. Now, you know, it's very basic and there's trick plays and you could do lateral play and all that stuff. But really, you're running or passing. When we're watching a football game, for us laymen that don't really know, never really played football, I just know run pass, run pass, run pass, punt, run pass, run pass, punt. You know, that's all I really see on the field. Um, So my point is, some of these games can be updated, and it's fine. Update the graphics, that's fine. And actually, this trailer for this Brutal Doom looks pretty good. It looks like they just updated the graphics, a little gameplay here and there, but it's the same level. They kind of understood why we love Doom. And so this guy kind of latched on and just did this thing. So I, I highly encourage you to check out that trailer. Good stuff, Chris. Love it, man. Love it. All right. So for my next one, um, if, in case you didn't know, going on right now is the Women's World Cup of Soccer. Yes. And yes, yes, yes. The U.S. women are dominating. I don't think a, a, a single goal has been scored on them uh, yet. They actually beat, I think it was Chile. Six nothing. It was like ridiculous, or thirteen yep. nothing. I, I don't. Know, it's, it was thirteen nothing. Yeah, yeah. It was preposterous. Um, but anyway, um, I got. I, I started thinking like, I love like anything where I can get patriotic and get behind like a team USA. I I go nuts for. So like, I don't watch a lick of women's soccer when it's not the World Cup. I don't watch a lick of men's soccer when it's not the World Cup. I don't watch hardly any Olympic sports that you know, when it's not the Olympics, I don't know what it is. There's something about these, these games where I can just like, you know, get, get behind a country, so to speak. Um, and, and just go nuts for, so I just want to kind of ask you, are you kind of the same way when it comes to a lot of these like international competitions, so to speak? Yeah, dude, I, you know what, for some, I'm with you too. Like I really love the Olympics. I love the winter Olympics. I love the summer. I, I really love some events that are just so cool. I love how they kind of split them up into every two years. So we don't have to wait as much mm-hmm. um and then the world cup is great i was really bummed when the men didn't qualify for the world cup so now we have the women and they're kicking ass and um my friend josh is a giant soccer fan and <laughs> and we've been talking about having him on as a a guest star um he would definitely talk us like under the table because <laughs> he definitely <laughs> knows soccer and everything nice um but he is all in and i'm all in on whenever the women or the men qualify for America. I'm all like team America. Let's do this thing. And I just love watching it. Love it. And also, I mean, something about soccer fans, I don't know. They, I think they're like, they're the greatest sports fans in the world. And also at the times, like they're the worst sports fans uh, in the world. They put, you know, America to shame sometime, you know, things like football and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, it's just, I don't know. There's something about this, the, the, these, these times, the world cups, the Olympics, where I just, you know, get charged friendly competition, you know, rah, 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 um, love every second of it. So go team USA. They're, they're kicking ass and, uh, hopefully they, they go on and, and win it. Cause I don't think they won it last time around. So this is kind of like a revenge for them. So 
taking right. Yeah, they definitely they definitely did. I remember watching that uh, four years ago. Um, and a lot of this team, uh, it's their third or fourth World Cup. Crazy. Which is really neat. And so you get to these same women that are coming back to kick some ass. So I just, I love, I love that those kind of stories, you know, like when you see Michael Phelps coming back for this many Olympics and just going for it and like everyone's on their first Olympics, he's on, he's on his third. And I love that stuff. Love it. Love it. All right, man. What you got for your number five? Number five. Let's get back into, man, I went nerd on you, Chris. I, I went it. nerd on you people. Um, Let's get back into the world of Star Wars. Ooh, okay. So Star Wars had some good publicity this week or these past couple weeks because of the, um, what's the world called? Or what's the thing at Galaxy's Edge? Galaxy's Edge. So I've been watching videos, some kind of interviews with people, reading all about it. Um, you know, it sounds like an amusement park. It sounds like people had to wait in line, you know, for four hours to get in for, or two hours to get into a four hour park and then... Uh, you know, that's going to happen during the first thing. I'll, I'll wait a couple years to go and take the kiddo. Um, so that was good publicity. It sounds like that was a great experience. Um, everyone's kind of freaking out about the features of that park. But uh, I read this article on Uproxx this week. Um, and the uh, title of the article is Star Wars Rise of Skywalker had to be edited during filming because of its insane schedule. So there was an interview with um, Marianne Brandon, who uh, was the editor on the film. And she discussed uh, the very short schedule. When we did The Force Awakens, we started in May and we finished in October and we were out the following Christmas, she explained. For this film, we didn't start until August, so we weren't done until February shooting. So we have four months less time and it is a very big film. So, Chris, um, the reason why I ask you this is there has been a lot of speculation. There's been a lot of rumors and buzz. And, of course, with the downfall of the last movie just being very not downfall, but just the split of last Jedi. Ooh, how I know we talked about the trailer and how that brought up your excitement. And there's been the little stories like this leaking out here and there. How, how, what's your, where's your excitement level right now? Where is it today? What's going on? Ooh. Um, Are you I'm nervous. Cautious. Yeah. I'm very nervous. Uh, that's a red flag for me. Um, you know, it was one of those things where, after The Last Jedi, I said, look, no need to rush. Uh, if you if you want to make it a two-year wait, three-year wait, I think you know four or five would probably be a little too long. But um, take your time. Like, get it right. Because uh, Last Jedi, I watched, I actually watched Last Jedi on a flight coming down to Atlanta. I'm actually in Atlanta, Georgia right now doing this. Oh, so you rewatched it? I haven't rewatched it yet, actually. I rewatched it. And I didn't like it. Again, I can't, I can't bring myself to like it. And it's just because, you know, it, it, it fails on the very basic principle for me where I just want to be entertained. I just let me get into this world, like ignore the fact that I'm, I'm in, you know, 2019. Let me get into this world and know what's going on and just, you know, go for it, you know? Kind of, kind of what we were talking about with other sci-fi. You know what I mean? You yeah. want to just be transported to this world and forget about stuff. Totally. Exactly. And this movie, it just it it, it failed on all levels. So again, I think there there's there's that. It definitely the Last Jedi decreased the anticipation for for this one. I because again, like I liked where Force Awakens set things up. I don't like how you know, think those things ended up in Last Jedi. So I'm very concerned. And kind of like, I don't know what they're going to do for this last one, but okay, we'll see. You know, it's just, it's a, it, it definitely has dampened my anticipation. 
Me too. Um, and just talking about that, that's a, such a great point, Chris. Like when I remember watching Force Awakens quite a bit, you know, uh, replay, I bought it and watched the replay and had so many kind of my brain was just firing at so many different levels. Like, you know, who is this Max von Saito character that we haven't seen mm. except for when he dies in the very first part? Who is this Emperor Snoke? Who is this Kylo Ren? What's his real story? You know, where's Luke? All of those questions had my inner nerd just going nuts. And I used to I would watch it and speculate and I didn't listen to anything on the internet because I didn't want to be spoiled. And I was like ready to rock. And I don't know. And if you can blame the internet, you know what I mean? Cause you know, it, the movie was definitely about defying people's expectations and you know, all the fanboy theories out there, but still that doesn't give you the right to kind of make some bad choices in a movie that don't make any sense as far as character alignment and everything. Um, and they built up so much like Snoke, th that whole lineage could have been a segue into a whole other trilogy. And I, I don't know, they just took all these things that could have been great and kind of crushed them in the last one. And I think it's going to be extremely hard, if not impossible for JJ Abrams to write this ship. It's, it might be too impossible right now. Yeah. I mean, and I think what's going to be interesting is after this next movie, we're going to start questioning and wondering like, was this whole thing just, a bad decision like the all three of these movies um you know it, it were was it just should they have just kind of gone in, and done something completely different um with this series and you know i think for me like i, I you know that last image that you see in force awakens where ray's holding luke's lightsaber and he's giving her this look of like you know, don't you dare give that to me type of thing and we're you know the movie ends and we're like oh what does that mean what's gonna happen next and then literally like last jedi begins and he just takes it and tosses it over his shoulder into the ocean and we're just like huh okay like that that right there is a perfect like personification of what last jedi was it was basically saying like i here's what you love about stories we're gonna we're gonna switch gears we're gonna play with your minds we're gonna you know we're gonna you know flip the script and that's not what we want that's not what you want out of star wars film um you know do that with the, those spinoff films do that with you know the mandalorian which i'm really excited to see what happens yeah. with that you know that's where you can do flipping the script and when you mix i mean you mess with the the skywalker saga in a way that's like that's sacred ground and you know it just uh oh just gets me so angry <laughs> Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, think of how the MCU did right with that. You know, right. the Avengers movies were Avengers movies. You can go take a Thor Ragnarok and do something goofy. You can go Guardians of the Galaxy. You can do something. It's so insane. I don't care. But when the Avengers assemble, you better have the Avengers assemble. Don't mess with that formula. I love it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And coming up into phase four, which I believe we're going to head into Secret Wars, um, same kind of format, but you know, different bad guys, different things, different, you know, but that framework better be the same. Like just don't, like same thing. Don't change my James Bond movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can update it. You can do something. You, we saw that, you know, Casino Royale is a perfect example of taking this old format, staying inside those parameters, but doing something extremely cutting edge and having this kind of parkour fight scene and Daniel Craig, you know, defibrillating himself during the poker game and all this stuff. You can do these crazy things like that inside that format. There's still a lot of wiggle room and a lot of creativity to be had. Um, and I don't care. I, I, I really don't care if you 
think I'm old curmudgeon and I'm stuck in my ways. I don't give a shit because I like my Star Wars movies to be kind of self-important. I kind of like them talking about family and, you know, good and e versus evil. And, mm -hmm. you know, if, if Luke gets angry, then he'll turn to the dark side. I kind of like that shit. That's why I love Star Wars so much. There's life lessons to be had inside of them. And the second he throws that lightsaber over, it's almost like he just took the whole series and threw it out the window. Yep. Yep. So we'll yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it might be too impossible. I love, you know, I like JJ Abrams, like the next guy, but this also, I was just talking about the show. This is also the man that came out with lost. Um, <laughs> and at the time lost was this phenomenon. I wasn't in because I just, you know, if you see someone get killed by a smoke monster and then you just walk back to the beach and don't say anything, it didn't, I was like, what? Um, <laughs> didn't make any sense to me. Uh, so uh, that was like the first episode. I was like, what is a smoke monster? And, uh, but, you know, and the backstory behind that show is really interesting. And it's kind of what's going on with this. Yeah. Lost was supposed to be a one season, two season at the most thing. I think it was just supposed to be like a mini series, like a four episode thing. The buzz caught on. They're like, oh, shit, we need to make more of these. And it tested well. And they're like, okay, do more. And they're like, uh, this was supposed to be four hours. Now we have to stretch this out into six, seven seasons. And you just saw, I mean, J.J. Abrams, such a good creative that he was able to fool people for a long, long, long time. And I'm kind of scared we're kind of getting led down that path. And at the end of this run of these movies just like you said chris are we gonna be led down this path that is a path of disappointment and it's just it's, it's just another kind of notch on that disappointment belt because the prequels were a disappointment this is a disappointment it's like really we just we really haven't gotten a, a great great star wars film i mean you could argue since empire i mean you know i i I like Since Jedi, Jedi. I mean, uh, Empire, I guess, but Jedi. Yeah, and I mean, good, so. it's just like, man, like they just can't, they can't seem to get it right yet. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. And just all the, you know, and you just got a sense with that, you know, we, and we've talked about how much we've loved uh, Rogue One, but even in that, there was this tinkering. There was this Gareth Edwards had a cut and they went in and hired a yeah. new director and, you know, reshot and recut and re-edited. And you can see things in the trailer that aren't in the movie. And there's all these like weird kind of things like that, where with the Marvel, the MCU, you have Kevin Feige, who is just the man rolling into a room. You know, here's the Russo brothers rolling into the room. He's like, so do you guys want secret wars or infinity gauntlet? Like the guy knows so much about Marvel. He's just ready to rock. Like, he's like, uh, how do you want me to sway these four movies? So you can direct a movie in six uh, years. And like, he is in such nerd control that he is like that. Yeah. It's almost make me wonder like, why didn't Disney just put Kevin Feige in charge of star Wars? And it makes me nervous that the guys now in charge of the next trilogy are the, you know, writers of game of Thrones. And that didn't end perfectly either. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I know it's, it's really nerve wracking and you know, and I think we, you know, the, you know, the ringer, uh, podcast. Uh, what's the, uh, what's their movie kind of podcast that they talk about? Um, not the watch, but uh, the, um, the big picture, the big picture, big picture. Yeah. Um, yep. They were talking about how that this summer is really been one of the worst summer films so far. Like uh, mm. summer blockbusters have not been good. Like the last men in black, the dark Phoenix, it's just been this tear of bad, you know what I mean? And maybe we're, 
having some hangover from how awesome Avengers Endgame was. I think people <laughs> are going to slowly, you know, people love that movie. I think people are going to love it even more after they see the shit that keeps coming out. Because there's nothing on the horizon. You got Spider-Man, super jacked up for that. And then nothing till nothing. beginning of next year, another Marvel movie. So like, you know, we're talking about rehashing old stuff on this podcast. Chris, I'm just giving everyone a, a heads up. I might be hitting some stuff that I didn't get a chance to. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because there's really not a lot that's on the radar. I mean, even for Oscar movies, I, I haven't really seen anything yet. We, we talked about that Ford V Ferrari, but what else is out there that you've seen? That's like the buzz. I mean, I think it's a lot of movies that have already happened. I mean, and you usually don't you know see that with like movies that came out in like April or May contending for Oscars the following year. But, you know, a movie like us, for instance, I don't think that's going to be forgotten by the Academy because of, you know, what's happened. Um, I'll st- I, I will, I will argue and ride that book smart is one of the best movies I've seen all year. And uh, you know, it's like, it's, it's silly to say that, but it, that these movies have already come out, but yeah, when you compare it to what's on the, the horizon, it's just like, eh, okay, we'll find out. We'll see. Yeah. I'm, I'm jacked up for Spider-Man. Uh, there was a, there was a story this week that uh, Avengers being re-released with a, a end cut scene to get people back in the theaters, get just jacked up for Spider-Man. I think it's just because uh, the other properties, the other IP is not working out, you know, from all what I've heard, Dark Phoenix is terrible. I've heard Men in Black, oh, Men in Black is yeah. terrible. I, so they're mm-hmm. just taking these things and giving it to people and just th- these people don't know what they're doing. Either they don't know what they're doing or they they want to do something just like, you know, Rogue One and the studio steps in and makes some bad choices. I, I don't know what's going on. Mm, we'll see. Very frustrating. Very frustrating indeed. Indeed. All right, so for my last one, yeah. um, this is kind of a, an interesting one. Entertainment in a different way entirely. So I've been, I've been writing, especially here in Atlanta, I've been writing uh, and using Lyft a lot lately. Um, or And Lyft and Uber are the two big ride-sharing programs. And I use Lyft. And what I like about it is I get into these cars, and it's you, know, you never know who you're, you're going to have, but yet I've never, hardly never, had a non-interesting conversation with who's driving me to, to work or driving me back to my hotel or, or whatnot. Um, and, you know, I, we talk about, you know, what, what, why are you driving for Lyft? Uh, what's the longest drive you've taken someone on? And it always kind of leads to some really interesting stories. And I, I started thinking to myself that have we as a civilization in a way kind of gotten, started to get away from just like, talking to people live and just asking them questions and finding out about their, their life stories and things like that. Cause I got to tell you, I, I I'm riveted sometimes <laughs> with like, like this guy told me about like, um, you know, how he started driving because, uh, he needed to get out of the house a little more, but then he ended up th- it, because of his driving, he found out that his wife was having an affair and it's just like, Oh my God. Fascinating. And like, uh, this other, yeah. And this other guy, like, uh, he picked up this one dude and the guy's like, turn off your app. And he started, he started to get really creeped out about it, but he wanted to take him to um, 
like a like a, a place like that was like three hours away and he gave him like three thousand dollars in cash for it i mean just stuff stuff like that i'm like oh my god that's ph- phenomenal so interesting so yeah i just i want to ask you like are you are you someone that like man when you're like at a place like whether it's a restaurant or something like that are you someone that just likes to dive in and talk about you know find about stories about other people oh yeah i mean well i kind of do it for a profession but also um uh you know me and my friend dan always talk about how we are that we are that type of personality like drop us in a city anywhere like airdrop us you know what i mean <laughs> parachute in give us 50 bucks and we will go around that city find some cool people and we'll make friends forever like that is kind of one of my things mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm i'm pretty good at connecting with people at that kind of level um you know that kind of courtesy what's going on I, i'm i'm pretty good at kind of getting some info out of people but in a good way not a manipulative like <laughs> like and then i roll them for their watches or something uh <laughs> right. no it's just you know I, I and i think chris what you're saying is we have gotten away from that i i've i've taught classes at my clinic about the evilness that is social media and electronics now don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here talking to you over a computer and reading uh, my articles over my phone. There are some great things with this technology that we can do. You know, if if we tried to do this pod even, I don't even know, like five years ago, I mean, w- there's no way we'd be able to do what we're doing right now. Right. Um, these phone things are great creativity, creative wise. Like I can write ideas and write poems while I'm walking. I can listen to podcasts. I, I love it. But the downfall for that is people get this addiction to these things, these habit forming patterns that um, increase your social anxiety, increase your inability to connect and decrease your ability to retain knowledge and gather wisdom because you're constantly recycling these new ideas. You're like, Oh, what's the new article? What's the new article? What's the new article? As opposed to like, huh, let me think about that article. What does that mean? go to sleep, think about it and huh, read, let me read that again. Oh my God. The, that new Nicholas Cage movies in Cyprus. I did. Oh yeah. That's in the Mediterranean. <laughs> like something like that, where if you're just infiltrated with new information every day and bombarded by it, you will never retain anything. You'll just be kind of mm. like a hamster in a wheel. And that's really what's going on. Good stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I agree a hundred percent. So the, the moral of the story of this folks is talk to people. Go yeah. out and meet people. Get off your phones for a second. Look look to the person next to you and just say, how you doing? Or you know what? Next time you're riding a taxi or a Lyft or an Uber, like talk to people. Because um, you might you might learn some really amazing things or, or hear some amazing stories. And and that's like the the first form of entertainment. So there you go. So I know. Yeah. And, and that's something that's really, I don't know about you, but when I'm in a new place and someone gets out a phone, even to look up something and you know, I'm pretty quick when I look up things. I like to think so. Like, hold on one second. Oh yeah. That was, you know, Brendan Fraser in that movie or something, you know, like (laughs) my random thing I need to know in that moment. Um, and then I put that phone right away because you take a couple clicks, people are going to start checking out on you and, or grab their phones. It's this kind of crazy knee jerk thing. It's a trigger. It's a trigger into a habit. And so it's something that I talk about at work all the time with my people. And it's something that I cannot say enough, and especially with our kids, you know, De- or Deegan and your kid being the same age, it's so such a thing you have to be mindful of, of how much screen time and more importantly, how much screen time alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. They talk about how, you know, screen screen time can't be bad if it's monitored, limited, but and also a parent needs to be there and answering questions. 
you can show a kid almost every kind of show movie, but you need to say, Oh, you know, when, when he's like, dad, why did that guy say that? And you'd be like, Oh, well he said it because X, Y, Z. Um, you need to be there saying those things. If you're not, and you're just letting that TV be a babysitter, they're going to become dependent on it yeah. and not be able to talk to people and connect on that level. Definitely. Definitely. Good stuff, my man. So that's our, that's our top five this week. Wow. We, we breezed through that. Um, yeah, let's go. that was pretty quick. Yeah. That, that was a lot of uh, new content that I don't know. It was good. Good stuff. Let's go YouTube in YouTube and baby. All right. So folks, what we like to do now is kind of talk about some, some YouTube wormholes, if you will, some, some fun videos that we've seen over the past week. Uh, ben, I've only got one that I want to talk to you about real quick. Um, it's this guy called bright sun films. Have you heard of this? No. Okay, so he's awesome because he does this thing called uh, these like these series called canceled or abandoned or you know it's just one word abandoned, and what it is is like he basically goes in and tries to find out like why we don't have things anymore, like certain stores or offices or companies. And he kind of breaks down, like, this is like the moment where things kind of imploded. And he does this great video. Um, you know, one, he just did one on blockbuster video kind of going through their business. Oh, I've seen this guy. Yeah. I've seen this guy. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yep. And during that one, I, I heard a really amazing story. So if, again, bright sun films, great, great series. Yep. But apparently this guy walks into blockbuster one day and he returns his video and he says, look, I know I, it's like two days late, but um, you know, here it is. You know, uh, what, what's the late fee? Like two, three bucks. And blockbuster is like, no, you owe us like, you know, $8. And the guy was like, that's ridiculous. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I got to do something about this. So he goes home, starts thinking about it. He brainstorms. What if there was like a rental service where there were no late fees for movies? You could keep the movie as long as you want. Just give it back to us whenever you want. And that's the guy that created Netflix. So, oh my God. So Netflix was born out of a frustration from Blockbuster Video's late fees. Now, ironically, years later, once Netflix became a thing, um, they actually, and they were in fi financial trouble, they actually went to Blockbuster and said, would you like to purchase us for something like $10 million? It was really low. <laughs> and Blockbuster said no, and they turned him down. So, um, oh. So we can thank Blockbuster for everything now, I guess, streaming as we know it. But um, it's it's a really, really great series. You, you really do find some really great nuggets. Um, he does this great um, one where he walks through abandoned malls like that have been closed down. It, yeah, I've seen him go through like hospitals. Hospitals, and, um, yeah. Like uh, amusement parks, right? Yep. He, he does that too. Yep. Parks, which, I know exactly this guy. This guy's a great channel. That's good stuff. Really creepy. So yeah, definitely check it out. Bright Sun Films. Uh, his name, his first name is Jake. Um, really, really cool guy. He's also a Disney fanatic too. So he does a lot of stuff on Disney parks. Yeah, that was it. Did he? Okay. Yeah. I've seen a couple of him. Yeah. And he did. Um, was it a Disney property where it was like he did the closed down part of the park where yeah. it was like a zoo or something like yeah, that like, something like Fort, not fort wilderness but it was something like that where there's an island yeah there's an island in um orlando that was supposed to be like a, a mini you know park if you will um and it just never it never worked out so they closed it down but you actually can't get there because it's an island so there's no you know way to walk there so like there's only been like three videos in existence of people like 
either taking like you know a rowboat at night um or sneaking onto this island it's the coolest thing you've ever seen so yeah definitely check that out that was definitely the one i saw but uh that that guy's great but getting back to blockbuster i mean chris i i miss video stores so much i that was one of my first jobs i loved working i worked at a mom and pop video store take one video meriden connecticut freaking great and uh blockbuster was this kind of evil kind of corporation in my eyes that was just driving these awesome mom and pop video stores you know that were family owned yep. had such a awesome kind of quality to them that were just different and i remember just going to different video stores in my car trying to find movies and calling and i miss that kind of connection to you know people that used to work there other film nerds and we could find each other with that you know what i mean right um and so that's such an interesting thing so even before netflix came i always i already like was kind of like f blockbuster i was already like anti-blockbuster <laughs> that's amazing and actually quick quick shout out to uh best video in hamden connecticut still operating by the way um, nice. It's still going. They had to like transform to like a coffee bar um, as well. Mm. And so like they, they, but they're, they're still kicking it and they, they have a really wonderful collection of like independent films and foreign films. And that's really kind of how they, they survive. Cause they really have these really wonderfully obscure movies that you really can't find on streaming networks. So um, it's, it's, they've kind of found their niche, so to speak. So yeah, best video in Hamden. Keep, keep it going, man. Yeah, there was, I mean, there was a bunch of really great video stores. There was one in Wallingford that was a really great video store and they had like this cult movie section. That's where I saw a lot of cult movies that you couldn't see. I saw, um, four flies on gray velvet by Dario Argento. I saw, Ooh. um, a bunch of just wild movies that I couldn't find even at Kim's video in uh, Manhattan. Uh, so there, they were so great and it's such a bummer that, you know, our kids, especially our kids, won't even know what that was like to go to a video store and talk to people, bring friends, go on a date, bring your date. It was that was definitely a date night thing. Mm -hmm. You know, now it's so, you know, Netflix and chill is so simple, but you lose that sense of community and formalness. Even just going to a video store was such a, you know, dinner in a video store was such a date thing. And I just remember so many people going in. You never knew. You'd be like, right. okay, I, I kind of want to get this movie, but who knows if it's going to be there. We'll find out. And then you just you discover something else. And, you know, it's funny. I, I actually, I still do this today. Like my wife and I are like, do you want to go see this movie? I don't know. Well, let's just wait till it comes out on video. Like I still say that. Like that's what I, that's my phrase. I, let's just wait till it comes out. On video. Yeah, it's in our lexicon. <laughs> so totally. It's weird, man. It's crazy. Awesome. Good pick. Good pick, Chris. That, that guy's great. Um, so I don't, I have a couple of videos, but they're all kind of on the same topic. Um, I love YouTube because for me, um, if Netflix replaced the CD and streaming services replaced, I'm uh, sorry, the DVD, um, then YouTube is our replacement for behind the scenes footage, uh, interviews about making movies behind mm -hmm. the scenes, um, directors talking about like what their thing was and also people having great video essays on what makes a movie work or what makes music hmm. work. Um, so today I wanted to kind of talk about movies that have a cross genre. And I think it was last week, Chris, where we talked about movies that subverted our expectations. Right. 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 And we talked about like the movie, like um, from dust till dawn. And um, there is some great 
uh, movie or video. So two are from the discarded image. Um, and that's the video channel. One is Dis deconstructing funny horror comedy. One is the ballad of Buster Scruggs. What's it all about? And then one is by Patrick H. Williams, Willems, uh, Sam Raimi. How does horror mm. comedy work? All three of those movies, they're about 10 minutes long. Um, they talk about movies that cross genre and they subvert our expectations, especially horror comedies like Shaun of the Dead, Evil Dead, Army of Darkness, um, Drag Me to Hell. Um, all these movies that kind of juxtapose each other and what make you laugh, make you scream and really get into that. And, you know, Buster Scruggs is filled with those kind of um juxtaposing genres where you have this singing cowboy who's like a murderer or something <laughs> like that or you have comedy right before someone gets hanged or something like that so really great videos that really dig into why these movies work and then what happens when it doesn't work i just love little video essays like this and and that deconstructed the deconstructed image and patrick h willems oh my god you can go dig into their pages they have great videos yeah, I love that because there are times where I'm watching a movie and I'm like, this isn't good or I'm not, I'm not digging this, but I can't put my thumb on it of like, why? Like it was right. the line of dialogue, uh, the way a you know, scene was shot, you know, things like that. So yeah, videos like that, that kind of unearth, like, here's the fatal flaw. This is where, you know, things went from, from bad to worse. Like, and I'm like, oh man, you're right. Like totally. Yeah. So like, I'm a, I, I love those types of videos. Yeah, the, and those three are really cool, and it's a really cool genre. Um, they also talk about, uh, Chris, you know the movie American Werewolf in London? Of course. Yeah, and how that movie is just kind of stands on its own with how extreme that that went. I mean, that's by John Landis, who, of course, directed the video Thriller, mm -hmm. which is very similar to that movie in the sense that you're laughing – you're scared. I mean, that video is a pretty intense video. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I remember watching that as a kid and it, loving it, but being scared at the same time, it's a, you know, you have these extreme gore effects that are really realistic still to this day. Those gore effects still hold up in American War of London and in the video thriller. Um, and you have them dancing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. You have like your main character laughing and then, you know, being gutted alive or is shown as a very extremely scary zombie. So this it's, it subverts your expectations in that moment. And then one of the videos breaks down Sam Raimi and how frenetically crazy he is and how one second it's a serious looking shot and it de-evolves into comedy and then back to seriousness. And you're like laughing, scared, laugh, scared, laugh, scared. And I've shown evil dead two to people and they don't know how to react sometimes. Mm. Some people laugh their heads off. Some people sit there and like, because there's nothing like that movie still. In my mind, there is nothing like Evil Dead 2, nor will there be. Never. I, 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 if you try to recreate that, what that movie does, I don't think it works. It's kind of like this kind of, it's very intentional, but at the same time, there is only one Bruce Campbell that is like that. So um, it's a movie I talk about a lot because it kind of stands on its own on its own as this kind of cross genre thing. We talk about from Dust till dawn having that expectation weird thing. And that last movie uh, last week, I talked about the um, the man who killed Hitler and then Bigfoot, just a random crazy title. 
but then it's a slow paced independent drama (laughs) (laughs) about PTSD or something. It's a crazy movie. So um, check those videos out. Keep digging into weird movies. That's what life is all about. Love it, man. Love it, man. Good stuff this week. Honestly, this was a, this was a good one. This is a, yeah, a high a high point for us. So definitely, Ben. Anything that you want to plug? Any news you want to break? Anything at all? Let, let me know. Go ahead. Um. Yeah. I mean, my band, the Little Blue Castle Band. We can find it, find us on Facebook or on the YouTube's. Um, a bunch of our shows and songs. Um, we just had a gig in town. I'm kind of exhausted. I can't believe that we did the podcast after that. I've been singing and playing <laughs> harmonica for two and a half hours. Um. So, but we had a great gig. We got more gigs lined up. Um, we're going to start kind of producing some songs for my friend, Dan. We're going to, we're going to, we got a lot of stuff going on. I know the summer's filled with, uh, vacation getting out of town. So maybe in the fall, we'll get back into practicing like every single week, but, uh, that's, what's going on in my life. Chris, what about you, buddy? Well, not much. I'm just traveling a lot for work. I'm actually next week headed to the international thespian festival in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, oh. so you got all these thespian troops from all over the country converging on the university of Nebraska campus for five days of, of workshops, classes, performances, uh, basically the, you know, the best of the best, if you will. Um, so really looking forward to meeting, you know, students out there. If, if any of them are listening to this podcast, you know, definitely, you know, you'll see me walking around, um, talking to a lot of students and things like that. So really looking forward to that. Uh, and as always, definitely keep checking out onstage blog. We changed the site a little bit. So now each podcast has its own page itself we're no longer kind of all put together as the onstage blog network each show has its own separate uh, page its own separate feed uh, that you can subscribe to this show that we're listening to right now is now on uh, apple Podcasts. i can't say itunes anymore because they've basically they're doing away with that so it's apple podcast oh is that why it's just called podcast okay that's yeah, what the weird. App is now. yeah okay it's it's weird that they're doing it but whatever so it's now found nice. on apple podcasts Spotify, and t- finally, officially, TuneIn uh, for Android users. So yes, sir. covering all different platforms. So definitely check us out there. Doing a whole slew of new podcasts coming out soon. Can't wait to, to bring those to the site as well. So keep rolling. That's awesome, Chris. Awesome stuff. I can't wait for people to dig into this pod and uh, like us on Facebook, Desperately Seeking Entertainment. And uh, please comment below our show if you think that we made any boneheaded decisions, we'll totally get back to you. I would love to kind of get into a fight about uh, some, you know, movies or something. That's what I live for. (laughs) Arguing about movies. Love it. Love it. All right, folks, we'll see you right here next week at Desperately Seeking Entertainment. Have a good one.